Hey guys, welcome to the midterm review. Uh, first off, let me apologize for not being in class on Monday. Uh, I know you're all super disappointed that I wasn't there, um, but just uh, I probably could have been. I feel better today than I did yesterday, but uh, not. I don't want to bring my my germs to you, so uh, best to just stay stay home and um, let y'all review, and then we'll still take the test tomorrow. Uh, so we'll go over the review with this podcast. I'll go over all 36 questions. And uh, while you're getting your midterm paper copy ready, if you're going to do that, uh, the test will be 50 questions. A lot of them are stimulus-based. A lot of them are questions you've seen before. So it should not be uh, a big surprise for some of the questions that you see. Some of them will be brand new. just depends. Uh, but anyways, let's get going. All right, so number one says Thomas Jefferson Declaration of Independence and the Enlightened Ideas. So the big thing to remember here about the Declaration of Independence is that Thomas Jefferson took a lot of his ideas from enlightened thinkers from that time period, Montesquieu, uh, Hobbes, Locke, uh, all those guys. Okay, but the big one is John Locke. Uh, he's going to take the natural rights from him, uh, life, liberty, and property. Remember, Jefferson turns it into life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He's going to take the whole idea of consent of the governed uh, and mold it into the Declaration of Independence, or I shouldn't say mold it, but fold it into there. Uh, so, th- so throughout the writing, uh, you'll see that. All right. Uh, so that's the big things to know. All right. Is that he 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 took those ideas from the people that he had read and most of the founding fathers had read up on um, and he was able to turn it into his own and, and form the government that we have. Uh, the history, you know, the history part of the Declaration of Independence, you know, it comes right in the time of the American Revolution. And uh, I think you probably understand that it's going to discuss the grievances we have against England and all the stuff they were doing against us and uh, allows us to, to break away, formally become our own independent country after we win the war, obviously. Okay. Uh, number two, James Madison and Fed 51. So Fed 51 was a discussion thing that you did. Uh, the big thing to remember is that it did create separation of powers. Okay. Um, and that the size of the government, okay, uh, is going to, to be large. And, and because we have the separation of powers and because we're so such a large government that the, the, the branches are going to keep each other in check. Right. And that's one of the big things um, that he believes in. Uh, number three says ways the constitution can change. Remember, there's really only one official way that the uh, the Constitution changes. That's the amendment process, okay? Uh, but it can also change through court cases, court decisions. Uh, they might rule something unconstitutional or constitutional that we thought might not be. Uh, so those are the two big ways, all right, uh, that the Constitution can change. Number... Four, Constitutional Convention Compromises. So there's a couple big ones. You had the Great Compromise slash Connecticut Compromise. Remember, this is what's going to create our two-house legislature. Remember the Virginia plan and the New, Jer- New Jersey plan were battling it out for how to how to have representation in Congress. <coughs> Great Compromise wanted to have population. The New Jersey plan wanted to have uh, equal representation. And so the Great Compromise comes along and says, well, let's just combine them. And so that's why we have a House based on population and a Senate based on equality. Uh, the other one was the Three-Fifths Compromise. I remember this dealt with the slave population. South wanted to have 
slaves count for representation but not taxes. The North was the opposite. They wanted to have them count for tax purposes but not for representation. So they settled on the three-fifths number uh, as to what they would count for. Number five, rights. Every human has. Uh, those are those natural rights that we talked about with number one. So those ideas that come from John Locke. Every human being is born with those natural rights. Uh, let's see. Number six, Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists. Uh, you're probably familiar with this from your U.S. history days. Remember the Federalists, they were all for the, the big, strong, natural national government, uh, while the Anti-Federalists were against the strong national government. They wanted to have more state powers and state rights uh, instead of the, uh, the national government having all those powers. Number seven, republic versus democracy. Uh, remember, you know, the democracy is how we pick our, our, our leadership. We have that ability, but we are in a republic, okay, where we get that right. So just keep that in mind. Um, pay attention to the pledge Tuesday morning. You know, so we pledge allegiance to the republic, not to the democracy. Number eight, separation of powers. What is each branch responsible for? So <clears throat> pretty simple. And I'm sorry for my coughing. I uh, said I feel a little bit better, but it's not gone completely away. Uh, so the executive branch, the president, they enforce the laws. The legislative branch, they are going to write the laws. And then the judicial branch, they are the ones that will uh, interpret the laws, judge the laws, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Uh, number nine, First Amendment freedoms. Give examples from court cases. So we went over a bunch of court cases when we went through that thing uh, way back in August. Or uh, I'm trying to fast go back to the first semester, back in January. Um, and so remember, there's five freedoms in the the First Amendment. Okay, there's freedom of press, <coughs> religion, speech, assembly, and petition. All right. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try and go through every single court case that we talked about, but I'll go through a couple. All right. Texas versus Johnson is the flag burning case. Wisconsin versus Yoder is a free exercise case. Uh, Engel versus Ital is a uh, establishment clause case. All right. New York Times versus the U.S. is a press case. Um, so there, there's quite a few cases uh, that you will need to go through. I think there's only one question that I'm looking at the test. So I don't. I want to spend a great deal of time uh, on that, uh, and the stuff comes from the list I just gave you. So uh, I'll go and tell you it's, it's from a, a speech thing, uh, it looks like. So uh, just be prepared for that, okay? Uh, Articles of Confederation and its ratification. Um, remember, the Articles of Confederation, you know, we know that it was a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, it was not a good government and part of the reason that it was prob problematic was because it, you needed a unanimous consent right you needed unanimous consent to get a lot of stuff done it just uh was not the the greatest government that we could have put forth um uh, the other girls also understand that only had one legislature okay so we have two they only had the one Eleven structure of the government under the articles. We just said that uh, no president, just one Congress. So there we go. Twelve, the amendment process. Uh, remember that the amendments can be created two ways through Congress. Okay, you need a, a vote by both sides of Congress up there to present it 
propose it and move it forward. Or you can do a national convention. Remember, we've never done a national convention. We've only done Congress right? because they're already in place. Once Congress has created or a national convention somehow wants to create a uh, amendment, it then goes to the states for their approval. And you can either do state legislatures. So the people down in Atlanta, uh, the people down in Tallahassee, the people over in Birmingham, uh, whatever South Carolina's capital is, those state legislatures would look at it and they would vote. And if you can get 38 states to agree to it, then it, it goes live. OK, uh, the other way would be state conventions. Same deal with national conventions. Why do we do that when it's already we already have a state legislature in place? So we've only done that once. So uh, but that's the process. OK, remember, it is purely legislative. There is no president uh, vetoing it and there is no Supreme Court interpreting it. Once it's a part of the Constitution, it is a part of the Constitution. Uh, federal grants. Remember, that's the money. Uh, looking at the question, it's a graph question. So you'll be looking at a graph uh, and answering some questions about the graph. Um, you just remember there's two types of grants. There's there's uh, categorical. Those are the ones with strings attached. And then there's the, um, the type that they like. I'm drawing a blank right now. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, that's, I don't want to say free money, but it does allow a lot more leeway. For Congress. Once it pops in my head, I'll come back and circle back around to that. I, I'm sorry, my head is, I should have been a little more prepared for this. Uh, let's see. Next up is U.S. versus Lopez and an older case that had the same constitutional principle. So remember, U.S. versus Lopez, uh, and first off, there's a passage on the test that you have to read and interpret. But this deals with federalism, all right? And remember the fact that the national government tries to use the uh, interstate commerce clause to get involved. And that comes from the, the steamboat case way back when, <clears throat> when they both had charters for the, the Hudson River. All right. The, the Supreme Court ruled that, hey, the only people that can make decisions about commerce is the federal government. And so uh, they have used that forever to get involved in cases that they want to get involved in. Well, Lopez, remember, was a high school senior. He brought a gun to a uh, school. I can't remember if he was in Texas or California. I never can remember where he was. But uh, he brought this gun, was caught, arrested, and was going to be charged under the, uh, there was a, a law about uh, gun-free school zones. And he wanted, uh, or the, the federal government wanted to come in and charge him along with the states. So Lopez is going to fight that. And that's why it's U.S. versus Lopez. And Lopez is arguing, you can't come in and charge me, federal government. I've already been charged by the states or the state, and uh, you have no right to be here. Federal government saying interstate commerce, we can come in, we can charge you. Well, the Supreme Court went against the the federal government and said, hey, you're overstepping your boundary here. You cannot uh, take part. You can't be a part of this case. Okay? Uh, Article 6 of the Constitution. Uh, this just states that remember, the federal government is supposed to be supreme. Okay. Uh, if we come between the federal government and the state government, federal government is supposed to be the supreme law of the land. Number 16, full faith and credit, privileges and immunities and extradition. So these are things between the states. The states are supposed to work together. Think uh, the marriages. You get married in one, case, one state, you're honored in another. I told you my example of 
I got married in, in Florida the first time, and then I moved up to Georgia and did not have, did not have to get married again. I got divorced here in Georgia and did not have to get divorced again in Florida. So it was just it's what what happened here is good here. You don't need any driver's license, okay? Uh, if you commit a crime in one state and you get caught in another, they'll typically uh, send you back. That's extradition. All right. Uh, number seventeen, federal mandates. Remember that the federal government will occasionally <coughs> uh, tell the states, "Hey." You're going to do this, and um, sometimes they'll fund it, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll underfund it. It just depends on, I guess, how they're feeling at the time and what, what, the, what the deal is. So uh, a mandate, though, is just that, hey, here's what's going on. We expect you to get it done. Citizens United versus FEC. Uh, it does deal with a, a political cartoon that you'll have to read, or not read, but uh, do a little analysis with. Remember, Citizens United, this case dealt with money coming in from big businesses uh, and places like that to the Citizens United group. And what's basically did basically does the businesses have the freedom of speech uh, that comes with political donations. And that was the question that had to be asked. Uh, and eventually the Supreme Court is going to say, yes, they do. And so they were allowed to donate money. Remember that led to the creation of super PACs. Uh, 19 social media and campaigns. Uh, this is going to be a graph. You've not seen it yet, so this will be a, uh, a graph that you'll look at and just understand that it's becoming a bigger part of the, um, the campaigns. Number 20, how do interest groups gain influence? <clears throat> remember, interest groups, they're part of that Iron Triangle thing. And remember, they want to, I, don't want, I guess for lack of a better word, they want to buy influence. Remember, they're not going to run a politician. <coughs> For office, they're not going to run congressmen. They're not going to run presidential candidates. They are going to donate as much money as possible, and by doing so, they're looking to influence who is in office in Congress. Alrighty, uh, and then when the time comes, they are going to talk to those people and you know ask for their help. Okay, uh, so that's the way they look to, to influence the government is by having politicians. I don't want to say in their back pocket because politicians aren't beholden to the interest groups. All righty. Uh, but they, they can sometimes be kind of, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, I don't want to say forced, but threatened. You know, if a huge interest group is threatened, I'm going to take away all my money. You know, that, that's, that could be a big deal to, to some politicians, especially if you're a newbie or if you're struggling for money right now and this is the biggest donor you got, uh, you know, they can do that kind of stuff. So it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it is, it is, a, but it, it, that's what they do. They're looking to uh, get as much influence as possible by getting the politicians that they know will vote for the stuff they want into office. Uh, 21 political parties versus interest groups. Uh, this might be a question you've seen before. It is a chart or a table, excuse me. And you'll have political parties on one side, interest groups on the other. All right. Remember, the big difference is political parties will run people for office. They want to try and control the government by having people in office uh, winning elections. That's their big deal. Interest groups are looking to influence Congress and therefore in influence public policy. That's their goal. Uh, 22, the roles of political parties. And this question is, I believe, a graph or a chart uh, or an image type question that you're going to uh, have to look at. But just remember the, the political parties, uh, a lot of the stuff they do is about getting people to go out and vote. 
All right. But they do a couple things that you need to understand. First off, they're going to help identify candidates to run for particular office seats. Uh, they have a pretty big say so in who runs in what spots. OK, a um, little bit surprised that uh, we have a House Republican, Doug Collins, uh, trying to run against a Senate Republican in Kelly Loeffler. OK, they're kind of dividing up the Republican Party there. So I'm kind of surprised the Republican Party has not stepped in and said, Doug Collins, you're you already are a House member. You're doing a pretty good job over there. Well, let's keep you over there and let's not split this race. Let's not make it any more difficult on ourselves than it already is. But I, I guess no one has because he's still running for that Senate seat. So it's going to be uh, an inter interesting uh, November for that Senate seat. Uh, they will fund candidates, you know, just like <coughs> you can donate as much money as you want to to those uh, political parties. They will turn around and put that money into uh, their candidates campaigns <clears throat> iron triangles once again uh, iron triangles have been on the last few things we've done just keep in mind they're they're a big deal they're important but they're not as big of a deal as it seems like with all the questions that you get okay iron triangles are just the relationship between the interest groups the political the uh committees and the bureaucratic agencies that they uh deal with that's all they are okay and there's no diagram on this one it's just some questions 24, media and citizens demand for information. Uh, the media is, remember, at Lincoln Institution that is going to uh, provide us with a snapshot of what's going on, both in politics and you know, across the, the America and around the world. Uh, and they can possibly you know, point out problems with our politicians. They can also be a window uh, to the politicians and the, to what we want as citizens. So just keep that in mind. Now, the questions about, you know, media and citizens demand for information, because we demand so much information, um, there's been a influx of these 24-hour news stations because they, they figure, hey, there's a market for it. We need to have news on constantly. And so that's what that is. Okay. Uh, 25, prospective voting, retrospective voting, and rational choice. All right. Uh, so, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, retrospective voting, that is basically what's what's been going on. Let me look back and see what's happening and let me vote on that. You know, if things are going pretty well, then, hey, maybe I'll just I'll vote for this person. OK, uh, prospective voting, that is voting based on what you think is going to happen. So what do I think could possibly happen in the near future? Okay. Uh, and then rational choice, that is just voting for what you think is who's, who's going to do the best for you. Which politician do you think is going to create the best policies, uh, the best environment for you to flourish? Okay. Uh, so, you know, if your big thing is, is college and having to pay for it and all that kind of stuff, then you're obviously going to gravitate toward a politician who's saying, hey, I'm going to do stuff to, to help you get that college education. I'm going to do things to help you uh, get uh, that stuff paid for. Okay. 26, uh, the 24th Amendment. So the 24th Amendment, remember, <coughs> is going to try and stop um, 
it stops poll, t poll taxes. So stopping the discrimination that's happening at the polls. 27. Why is there more turnout in presidential elections than in midterms? Well, most people, uh, despite what we know now as a class, that probably congressional elections are probably the most important ones. More people think that the presidential election has more bearing on their life than the congressional election. So more people are going to go out. There's also more, more media coverage on the presidential elections because he's the only person running. So there's a lot more media coverage uh, versus having to cover, you know, around 400 people running for the House uh, and the Senate. So, um, you know, they're going to spend most of their time on the presidential elections. Therefore, most people, most Americans are going to think, hey, that's the most important uh, thing. That's what we need to go vote for. But we know, hopefully, that the president really truly really can't do anything without his, uh, without Congress working with him. You know, he, he can't do anything. So those congressional elections are pretty important. You're going to have a chart to look at from that question. Uh, number 28, Democratic ideologies, Republican ideologies. So Democrats, remember, uh, they favor larger government, more government involvement in life, in, in your everyday life. Republicans believe in limited government. Um, right. The Democrats tend to want to spend more. The Republicans want to spend less. Uh, but, you know, I really got to put a check on that because Democrats, yes, they want to spend, but it's, it's mostly on social spending, you know, social programs, social welfare programs. Uh, Republicans, I say they want to you know, cut spending. A lot of them will run on, hey, we need to reduce spending, but they still want to spend on, on the military and the defense and things like that. So um, I, I don't feel like I can go through every single policy. Uh, that they have. If you have specific questions on, on their ideologies, then you know, let me know, and I'll try and answer those questions. But uh, I'm not going to spend uh, a great deal of time just going through every single possible scenario uh, that they could have with their ideologies. Okay. Uh, let's see. 29. Balance of public safety and civil liberties. So there is this thought process. Yeah, that we have all these rights, but some of these rights might make us vulnerable. Okay, search and seizure. Since they cannot just search everybody for anything, then someone could get away with carrying a weapon. Well, you know, is my right to, to feeling safe and knowing that no one I'm going to come in contact with has a weapon uh, outweigh their right to an unlawful, unlawful search and seizure? So you, you've got this thing that you kind of got away um, and, and think about. All right. So the government has to really balance protecting mine and your civil liberties with protecting our rights. Okay. As citizens um, and what can be violated, what can't. Number 30 is libertarians. And remember libertarians, uh, they, really want to keep the government out of being involved in our lives. Okay. That is their kind of their main, main thing is the government should not be involved in our everyday life. You know, they should not be, uh, be there. So that's why they're going to be pro-choice. Why should the government tell people what they can women do with their bodies? Okay. Pro marijuana. Why should the government be telling people they can and can't smoke? So that's, that's their ideology. Uh, 31 conservatives versus liberals. Kind of similar to the whole Democrat <clears throat> versus Republican thing. 
and I think looking at the test, you may have seen this question before. Uh, it is that table question where you got conservatives on one side, liberals on the other, and you have to decide uh, which one is kind of the correct match for them. Okay. Um, remember, you know, conservatives will be that less government, uh, liberals will be more government. Uh, conservatives think the government should be more involved in your, I mean, less involved in your life. Liberals think the government should be more involved. Uh, so there is that. Uh, let's see, 32. Keynesian economic thoughts on the government. So uh, John Maynard Keynes was an economist, and he was big into belief that the government should try and spend their way out of problems. Okay, so his beliefs would be let's spend, spend, spend as a government. The government should spend and spend and spend and spend. He would have loved FDR you know, during the Great Depression. Uh, the government spending tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of money uh, to try and pull people out of that Great Depression. 33, political socialization. Easy question. Usually, typically, most people get this. It's the fact that your ideas, uh, where you get your political ideas from. And most people get it from their family. 34, public opinion polls. Remember, public opinion polls are not to be trusted. Uh, they... Sometimes people don't lie. They're a small sample size. Sometimes there's all kinds of issues that can happen. Now, can they be used as a good barometer to see how you know people are doing? Uh, sure. You know, don't don't think that I'm trying to just completely dismiss polls. Yeah, they're they can give you a pretty good idea sometimes, but just don't take it as well. That's how it's going to be. And go out and, and bet money or or uh, stake your reputation on what a poll says. You just never know. Okay. Um, exit polls number thirty five. Those are those polls that we definitely don't want to trust uh, because they get asked of people as they come out of the uh, polling station. And a lot of people will lie on those things. All right. And then lastly is Articles of Confederation versus the Constitution. Uh, it is a question, a <coughs> uh, table question where you'll have the articles on one side and the U.S. Constitution on the other. And you got to figure out which is the correct, uh, the correct, uh, matching of things that the articles had and the U.S. Constitution had. Uh, you know, no president versus having a president, one legislature versus no legislature, or two legislatures, excuse me, uh, the amendment process, uh, military, taxes, all those things can be matched up there. All right. All right. So that is all 36 questions for your review. Sorry that I stumbled through stuff. Sorry that I'm sniffling. Sorry that I'm coughing. Uh, this is not my best product and I apologize, but I did want to get you the information. Um, if you have questions, please send me a remind message. Please email me coach D underscore 1977 at yahoo.com. It goes right to my phone and I'll check it and I can help try and help you anyways. Uh, try and answer your questions. All right. Uh, and I will, should be back in class tomorrow. So we'll take this test. Um, and That'll wrap up our first half, and we'll get going with the president on Wednesday. All right, guys. See y'all.